Hey everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to the Next Move podcast. This is a podcast where we're essentially going to interview people who are making a change in India, whether it be through starting businesses or whether it be through creating organizations that work toward a more equitable society in India. We are getting into the minds of them in this podcast. So if you're looking for a podcast that takes you into the minds of some of the movers and shakers in India, then look no further because this podcast will definitely do that. Do episode two of the podcast and today we have Ram Shastri with us and uh, Ram is the CEO and co-founder of DriveU. Now DriveU is a company that matches personal and qualified drivers to your vehicle. And uh, DriveU has exploded over the last year. They're reaching almost 2 million rides. They've, they've almost hit that number. And Ron is a successful entrepreneur who moved from Silicon Valley, where he had started a few startups that got eventually acquired. He eventually moved back to India to make an impact in his home country. And uh, when he first moved back, he invested in Taxi For Sure as the first investor. It's a similar company to that of Ola and Uber, and it got sold to Ola for $200 million. Uh, so he got a great exit there. And, uh, you know, in this podcast, I learned so much. You know, Ram is, a, as I mentioned, he's a serial entrepreneur. And he, he, as he's done it so many times, he's started so many new companies, and he's even had a company that's failed, which he will go into in the podcast he will tell you about what makes a good startup what do you need how do you assess whether you have product market fit and the other key takeaway that i took from this podcast is that ram really goes into how you go about starting a market because driveview is doing something that nobody else is doing ola and uber provide you the cars and the vehicle but DriveU just provides you the personalized driver for your vehicle. So he really goes into how do you educate a market? How do you educate the drivers? How do you educate the customers uh, when you're starting something completely new? So I think you're going to learn a lot. You're going to learn about how to potentially start a business, how to overcome challenges that you're going to face along the way. And yeah, I, I learned a lot from this podcast. I really enjoyed our discussion. So sit back, relax, and listen in today. Thank you, Arman. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. So, Ram, uh, could you expand a little bit on who you are, what you do, what's your background? Sure. Uh, <clears throat> so I um, was actually born in Bangalore, brought up in Bangalore, and I went to school in the National Institute of Technology in Suratkal, uh, on the west coast of India. Okay. Then after, I did my bachelor's in uh, electronics and communications. And uh, to do my master's, I went over to the US. I was uh, uh, I, I did my master's in computer engineering from uh, Stony Brook University in New York. And then I was, um, at that time, I was doing a chip design, uh, VLSI chip design. I honed in on that for a few years, and then I thought my talent was beyond designing, so I moved into sales and marketing. 
into uh, I, I went into a software company called uh, Viewlogic back in the mid 80s, late 80s. Okay. And, and, uh, <clears throat> and uh, gradually migrated to actually Silicon Valley because that's where the action is uh, in the Correct. US. So, uh, so I've uh, been in Silicon Valley for about 25 years, uh, working uh, in uh, large corporations as well as founded a couple of companies and became CEO of a couple of other companies. So that is my background before I before Destiny brought me, brought me back to India in uh, 2015. Great. So to, to start uh, DriveU, yeah. Okay, that's awesome. And I just want to expand a little bit about your time in the US because, you know, it seems like it was very pivotal, pivotal uh, to your eventual, you know, success and of starting DriveU and of investing in Taxi for sure. So I wanted to know about, you know, what, what are some of these companies that you founded when you were in the US and uh, what did they do? Were they successful? Did you have any failures there? Um, and how did you overcome if there were any failures? Yeah, I mean, uh, my first company I founded in 1995 called uh, TriQuest. Three of us quit our day jobs and uh, went and started a company called TriQuest. We, okay. had, uh, we didn't have any money. We went and uh, said, we got to go do build this something uh, in a software uh, solution for a chip design company. And uh, in, uh, two, uh, 19, in two years later, uh, we got funded afterwards. And then two years later, we sold that company to a large company, which is now part of uh, a company called Mento Graphics uh, for a nominal $10 million. It wasn't a, a big exit, but uh, the investment in was about $2 million and we sold the company for $10 million. So that was a good exit for us in uh, 1997. That was my first exit in a startup world. Then I, okay. joined, then I joined the company uh, called Cadence uh, Design, which is a huge, it's like a multi-billion dollar company based in San Jose. I was a uh, you know, director of marketing and so on. And then again, uh, in 2001, uh, one of the, um, you know, uh, a major VC and individual investor called Prabhu Goyal called me and said, hey, I have a company here, which is uh, right after the dot-com crash, you know, that needs some help, somebody like you to come and help me out. And okay. that, that's where I came in uh, to a company called Taras Systems, uh, and uh, I was the CEO. Uh, we had some great run, and then we sold the company to, again, uh, a, a French company in 2006. Okay. And, uh, so that was a uh, you know, couple of uh, reasonable exits. And uh, my, uh, so, I, you know, in, in between, I mean, after that, I was, uh, you know, in a startup called Necentric in Austin, Texas. I used to commute to Austin from uh, California. That okay. company did, didn't go well. Uh, you know, we had good technology, but our competitors were very, very strong, big startups, big companies. So that uh, we fundamentally we sold it as uh, asset sale to big, large companies in uh, 2009 uh, timeframe. So, so that was my, uh, if you ask me, my failure. And uh, then I had uh, an amazing success in this, another startup where I was brought in to, um, and uh, actually within a matter of six months, we actually sold and uh, turned around the company and sold it to a large company called uh, Cadence again. So, so, wow. uh, so, so that was a very good exit for us. 
Um, so anyway, so there is a, you know, the, the batting average is, you know, as they say in the baseball, uh, I mean, you are, we are a 50-50 batting average. So I probably have been involved in the four or five startups until now as a CEO or as a, uh, as an investor, of course, for Taxi for Sure, about uh-huh. six, six companies and probably three or four of them have been uh, reasonably successful. And of course, the big exit was the Taxi for Sure, uh, which we sold it to Ola in uh, 2015. So, I mean, the, uh, the lessons we learn is, um, which I'm very, very, um, one thing is, uh, the biggest lesson is the product market fit. Uh, okay. if, if, you know, the thing is you have an idea, of course, you're always uh, biased to your own idea. So the question is, is this idea relevant? Is somebody willing to pay for the idea that you have or the product that you build or a service that you build? And are they, you know, can you make money by selling lots of those uh, products, right? And uh, as a, as a, in a startup, it's pretty exciting that you come with an idea which is unique and everything, but the point will be, can you sell, can you sell to, uh, profitably? So that okay. is a big, that's a big thing I learned is that sometimes it didn't, sometimes we, you know, and sometimes it's also serendipitous because the, um, the competitive environment has changed or the market itself is a, is a tough spot. Uh, so many things can happen uh, in a startup. That's the, that's the exciting thing about a startup. There is no yep. guarantee. There is no guarantee. But along the way, the most important thing is always keep an open mind and keep learning. Uh, don't, don't get too excited with your own ideas, seduced by your own ideas. So I, I think that's a great point. And, um, uh... You know, as you mentioned, almost four out of six of the mm-hmm. startups that you've been in have been successful, which, you know, if you look at the numbers, that's that's much, much higher than uh, most people have with startups. Because, you, you know, the the amount of competition that's out there, the amount of, you know, odds that are against you when you're doing that. You know, so four out of six is very, very successful. And, you know, just going over to your point about product market fit. How does an entrepreneur actually evaluate product market fit? Because let's say I'm starting this company and I think, okay, people need this because I feel I need it. How do I, you know, effectively go out and actually test this? Can you do it through research or do you have to actually start to go ahead and do this? So uh, that's a very, very good question. Uh, The way, first of all, um, you may have a unique idea and you might even have patents on it and you you believe it because you yourself see the need for it. That's great. Then what you have to do is, are you unique in the need of that product or are there tens and hundreds and thousands and millions of people out there who want that product like you have? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then the question to figure out is, how much does it help for that person who adopts your product. In the sense, um, so, so a product will cost X dollars and, and you know it should have enough value to be at least 2X or 3X or 5X for the person who adopts that product. In the sense, in terms of maybe they improve their um, you know, efficiency of, the pro- of, their, of their process or flow, or uh, maybe there is something, something like that that never existed or they have, uh, they'll, they, by using your product or service, they will now create a completely new market for themselves. 
Now, I mean, uh, it's it's a very, very tough thing, but we have to be very, as entrepreneurs, to be very honest with ourselves. So how do you become uh, very, what you do have to do is you got to go look at your customers and, and who is your okay. prospect, prospective customer and, and talk to them. Tell them, I mean, everybody will say, oh, I like it. It's great. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But the question is, are you willing to pay for it? Are you willing to pay Y, Y dollars, which is greater than X dollars, right? That costs you to right. build that product. So first you have to figure out how much does it cost for you, the X, X dollars. And the question would be, how much is customer willing to pay? Why? Why dollars? Now, uh-huh. tens and hundreds and thousands of uh, millions of such whys will, will make your comp- product a lot more, uh, you know, make your company more profitable, right? And that is yeah. the key, that's the key thing. I, I always say, don't get seduced by your own ideas and then your product. Always be very, very um, open to criticize your own ideas because at the end of the day, uh, if you don't criticize your own idea, somebody else will. And yeah. and until until uh, you know, then you have to go make some changes. So it's better off to do it very brutally honest. And and that's a tough one. That comes. It takes it takes a lot of um, uh, experience in figuring out or being being. Uh, you know, we are emotionally at, attached to our ideas and our product. Yeah. Uh, and it's your baby. Okay. So nobody can tell your baby is ugly, right? <laughs> yeah, that's people, true. people, people don't want to hear that your baby is ugly. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes you gotta say, "Tell me, is my baby ugly?" Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what you gotta do. You know, that's one thing very important, I think. So I, I think that's a great point, but and and that's a very rational view in comparison to you know some of what people talk about, other CEOs, other executives. It's always about perseverance. It's always about you know, if it's not working, keep working at it, keep working at it, and until it's successful. But, you know, how does one know when something is a dud and something where, where your baby is ugly and you mm-hmm. got to just stop? Uh, how, how would an entrepreneur know that point? That's, a, that's again, an extremely important. I'll give you with my, from my experience, okay? Okay. Uh, 2000, I started a company in the mobile space uh, for mobile enterprise. You know, it was 3G was just coming up in the U.S. And the whole idea was the corporate data can be, uh, the sales guys can look at the corporate data in the field and be able to do all sorts of stuff, you know, and so on. So I I thought it was a great idea. We built a prototype and uh, I had raised some small amount of money uh, for seed fund and then uh, went to the market and Cisco was very interested in uh, evaluating our product the team was very excited they wanted to do that so everything was going well and suddenly the market collapsed uh the dot-com crash happened Uh and you know people companies were laying off left and right and uh, the team that we were working with got laid off so you know we didn't have a champion within cisco cisco was my only client at the moment and then i said okay i give myself end of march march 31st and if I am not able to get another one or two uh, beta sites, then I'm going to shut this company down because I'm not okay. going to keep on doing it. It was tough. I tried everything, everything because I had this uh, six month or, or uh, maybe four months uh, uh, timeline. And we Correct. tried hard as a team. And, you know, at that point, at, at, uh, I, nothing happened. I said, you know what, that's it, guys. Uh, like I said, 
serendipity sometimes it's also the bad timing uh timing is a yeah. very important factor so you may have a great idea but if your timing is not right you can do all you want you can be tenacious you can work hard you can work 18 hours a day correct you know and i i think it's not fair to tell people keep on trying because you have to say it be very again this comes back to being honest with yourself and say all right you know what guys great idea bad timing and let me just um uh you know i'm not trying to be i'm not trying to sound like a loser but it's uh-huh. being it's being practical at some point you have to say i'm going to shut it down you know yeah uh, right yeah yeah it completely and i feel like that is probably a really tough part for entrepreneurs to say like look this didn't work for whatever reason we yes. we have to be practical here we're just wasting time at this point yes. let's move on to another thing yes yes absolutely and uh that is very hard because because we love our love our idea and exactly. and everybody and then you have actually invested so much time you may have quit your job and you have a social pressure uh exactly. oh my god oh my god i i'll be a big failure uh if i now quit now uh at some point you know you have to come out you know and say i mean uh, you know it's okay you know you know keep on keep on you know uh, maybe there is something else you can do for yourself and maybe there is some some other place some other time you can uh, do something else and uh and you know it's not it's not being not tenacious it's just being uh practical you know in terms exactly. of okay you know looking at the thing okay this is i mean did i feel like that sometimes during drive you absolutely it wasn't a bed of roses when we started a company i will talk uh-huh. about that but but i'm just saying you know there are moments where even a company that is successful uh, in the in the eye of the you know world you know the the only the founders and they know what is it what does it take to get there you know it could be not having some talent leaving at the wrong time not having enough money to make the payroll whatever you know there is always right. yeah and that's definitely a very delicate decision for when to evaluate problems where saying this is a potential success we have potential success or we should you know just close up shop and try something new that's and you know ram i wanted to you know kind of take a step back now and kind of go behind your motivations and learn more about you um as a person as an entrepreneur and i wanted to know uh did you always know you wanted to be an entrepreneur or is it something that just came as you were working through your career you know it's funny because uh if i think about it uh two things happened to me one is when i work in the big company environment i mean i was you know at the vice president level and you know hundreds of people reporting to me and so on sometimes i felt like i'm bored i don't yeah. have enough challenge that's one one aspect of i got to do something where i'm challenged every day i you know i want to be excited to get up every morning and say here's a challenge that's one one aspect of why i wanted to get into the startup uh in a world where it's it's more like you know you know you are a david versus the goliath right i mean mm-hmm. you are a small guy and you are you are you are questioning the uh the current uh, way of doing things or whatever and then 
you know, there is a lot of naysayers out there saying, hey, it won't work. And that also gets me going. That's one thing. I mean, I can look at from the early days. I remember my father uh, was, uh, bless his heart, he's no longer there. He's passed on. And uh, he is, uh, he was in the work for the government in, uh, in India always. And always, you know, I remember him, you know, young days, he would tell me one day, he'd say, you know what? Don't don't work for a big company. Do your own. I know you can do it. And uh, there was also that thing in my probably inculcated in me. Um, uh-huh. You know, I know not that he was pushing me, but it's just that probably was there that uh, encouragement from my father, and saying, you know what? Not many fathers do that because they want their son. Yeah. They, they they want their children to have uh, a permanency in jobs and so on. So I said, you know what? I would rather look back when I'm 80 years old and say, I give it a try, I give it a shot. Whether I'm successful, wildly successful, failed or whatever, doesn't matter, but at least I tried. And that's how my motivation works. Yeah, I think that's a that's a huge thing that, uh, you know, recently a friend talked to me about the same thing. It's like, at the end of your career, at the end of everything, you want to live with no regrets. So you, you have to just do. And I think that's, uh, you know, a very cool point that a lot of people will resonate with, you know, who are listening. Yes. And uh, so, so I wanted to know, you, you had mentioned that you left Silicon Valley because you wanted to make an impact in India. Could you like expand upon that? What did you want to do in India? You know, why did you move back? Because you had a great career going in, in the U.S. You know, um, I, I never worked in India. After I graduated from college in in India, I just took off and went to the U.S. And before I know it, I was there for 30 plus years. And I always thought, um, you know, at the, uh, India has given me so much. You know, the education is practically free in India. Okay. Yeah. And I and when I look at the you know the you know the college fees we pay for our kids in the U.S. and and the education we get in India, it's just amazing. And then I saw, you know, I got to do something back to the country where I was born. Uh, and I, that was always gnawing me in my back, uh, on my back of my mind. And then I got involved with Taxi For Sure as the seed investor. So when I started working with the Taxi For Sure co-founders, I started seeing things happening in India, which was pretty exciting in the transportation sector. Uh-huh. And I said, I said, aha, I know I can come back and do something here and also make an impact because in at the, at the end of the day, what I also wanted to do was the impact that we make, I wanted to make an impact where, you know, if you're a doctor, you can cure diseases or take care oh. of your uh, patients. And that's an impact you make for hundreds of people or thousands of people in a month. And, uh, you know, as an entrepreneur, how do you make the biggest impact? And I saw, wow, I can make a biggest impact by building uh, the what DriveU has done, where literally today we have over 6,000 drivers. They depend on DriveU for their income. And uh-huh. to, me, to me, if one person makes that kind of money, they, they affect four or five other people in their family, their wife and their Correct. parents and the kids. And the impact I'll be making is for 30, 40,000 people in India. And that's what, that excited me. I said, you know what, I got to do something. Uh-huh. And, and this is this is perfect way for me to give back to my country 
uh, where I was born. And I know I had a cushy job and everything. And, you know, it's at the end of the day, it doesn't matter in the long run. Happiness uh-huh. matters. And my wife, you know, encouraged me. She says, yes, go do it, do it what you want to do. And uh, that's how I did. I came back and uh, I am enjoying every minute of every day. Uh, I've been here for the last four and a half years. That's, then, that's great to hear. Um, you know, you know I, it's always good to hear about, you know, entrepreneurs coming back to India because I think, during the 80s and 90s, we definitely had a talent glut. You know, you, you see where they all moved to the U.S. And there are so many people are doing huge things in the U.S., like Satya Nadella. Yes. You know, the CEOs of Microsoft. But now I feel a lot of that talent is coming back to India. And we, we'll expand upon that later. And I think that's a huge, huge thing for India where the potential will be here. Yes. And I, I wanted to... You know, you mentioned Taxi for Sure. Could you, uh, you know, expand upon two things? What is Taxi for Sure, and what led you to investing in them? What, what separated them from, you know, the other transportation companies out there? Yeah. So, uh, Taxi for Sure is a cab aggregator. Fundamentally, what they their business model was, uh, there are a lot of people with cabs. You know, you know, owners maybe have ten cabs, fifty cabs, or individual cab owner. And for, for them, they have already invested in buying a car, uh, but they don't get enough demand to keep their car busy. Uh, so what Taxi for Sure said was, we will be the aggregator. We will create demand for you so that you are your cabs are always busy. And in return, you give us certain percent of uh, your money you earn uh, by the, you know, by using your cab. And to me, uh, what what used to happen is whenever I used to come to India, I always used to get, of course, like come to the airport in Bangalore and I'll be besieged by, you know, people with cabs, you know, asking me for a crazy amount of money at nighttime when you're coming flying in at two o'clock in the morning. And no, and there was no transparency in pricing. It's a lot of haggling. And, uh, you know, you don't, you don't know that ta- the cabs were dirty. And I said, you know what, uh, here, here are the company, these two founders came in and said, Ram, we are trying to do this. And it, 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 you know, the, the light bulb went off for me where I said, aha, uh-huh, there is a problem that I am facing and I'm sure like me, other people are facing. And nobody was doing this uh, in India at that time, using tech, uh, technology to, uh, you, know, uh, you know, bring in the demand and supply together. And in the process, uh, you know, create value and do that. So I said, you know what, I like that, guys. I think, you know, and then they were actually uh, very hard. To, nobody was putting money in that. This is 2011, uh, early 2012. And, yeah. and uh, there was not a whole lot of exciting, you know, and, and there were not many people putting money. And I said, you know what, I first, the second thing was I looked at these two founders. I liked them a lot, very smart kids. And I said, you know what, I think I'm going to write the first check. So I wrote the first check um, back in uh, two, late 2011, and uh, and the rest is history. Before you know it, uh, uh, you know, lots of money came into this market. Uber entered the market, and yeah. and then uh, this was just uh, um, uh, just amazing. Uh, and then you know, uh, it, again, it's part of serendipitous because. Smartphone technology took off in India too. So, you know, Android phones became extremely cheap so that people can afford a, a smartphone. Yeah. 
with smartphone now you have the ability to track the the track the cab and be able to do everything on your phone as opposed to before that this was based online uh, or phone phone support so that also propelled uh, an amazing uh, growth for taxi for sure as well as ola and uh, you know that's how i got into this okay so you know you guys eventually did sell to ola for 200 million dollars and that's a huge huge buyout and you know in theory you're you know you're set you know living in india you're you're very much set yes what then drove you to say hey look you know i need to do more and you know start another huge venture in you know in area that you know you stayed in transportation but nobody else was doing you know personal qualified drivers for your vehicle so yeah. it's a huge undertaking because you're making a new market what what was that drive to say hey look i still have much much more left to do in india yeah so so what happened is just like uh, when i the light bulb went off for me when i uh, being uh, a taxi for sure and the cabs and the problems that i was facing you know we have a car at home and we used to have a full time driver so uh-huh. i kept looking at this guy you know 80 to 90% of the time he is not going anywhere he's just sitting there waiting for my mom or my dad or someone one of us to go take him somewhere right so we were just yep. wasting his time i looked at him and said his labor you know what is his um you know exp- you know uh, uh, talent is driving what if i can and then my neighbors have cars and what if i can share my driver with four other neighbors just for just for example if i yep. can if i can share it with four other neighbors i'm sharing the driver across multiple car owners and then uh-huh. what happens is instead of me paying the driver 15000 rupees what if each of them paid 5000 rupees or 7000 rupees each five of them will get you 35000 rupees we driver makes more than 15000 give him 20 25000 and then as a company you create this uh you know uh, this marketplace and then you can take the cut so i said this is uh, this is like a no brainer and i i like we looked around i looked around and we said oh, nobody was doing what we were trying to do i mean there were some mom and pop uh, little uh, driver aggregation uh, companies that are still there in india right now but they uh-huh. didn't ha- they didn't have the the technology and the discipline that they had built at taxi for sure so what i did was okay now we, we had the good exit and uh, taxi for sure and a lot of the key people that i knew at taxi for sure didn't want to go join ola because it you know because they were not going to be you know now as part of the acquired company so they were willing to go exit somewhere else and i said i we just i just hired them all one day we, i interviewed like eight of them and wow. brought brought them on board within the next week i said look guys here is the money let's go figure out this in the next 2 uh, 3 months And, uh-huh. and let's go build it and uh, that's how the the journey for drive you started now personally uh with taxi for sure i wasn't uh, directly involved in this i was a, i was an investor whereas here i said i had other things that i wanted to accomplish like i told you uh to help out uh, you know my fellow indians uh, to make more money and so on i said now i have a channel that i can use to make that, those things happen and that excited me also and that that made me stay back in india and uh, do this okay and um you know 
what I do want to expand upon here is that, you know, starting DriveView, you also mentioned it at the start of the interview when you were talking about overcoming challenges and when to know when to keep going and when to when to stop. Uh, I'm sure with starting DriveView, there was, you know, several challenges like educating the market, building trust for both sides, building trust for the drivers that, you know, I will give you the compensation you need to leave your current job. And building trust for the potent, for the rider to say, hey, get into my car. I trust you to drive my car. You know, could you could you expand upon these challenges and probably some more that you faced? Yeah, uh, fundamentally, I think first of all, uh, we we had to build a name called Drive You as a brand. That is, uh, you know, it's all about trust business. So the, uh-huh. the 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 car owner has to trust the Drive You has the capability to weed out the good drivers, uh, bad drivers from the good drivers and send them drivers that are good, right? That's one thing. And uh, on the other side, the drivers have to have trust that DriveU platform will allow me to make money and uh, as much money as I would make or a comfortable living I can make on the platform. Uh, Because at that time, our competition was Ola and Uber they were giving oodles and oodles of uh, incentives to these drivers. So what we did was we said on the, on the driver side, we said, look, guys, we are going to pick, we handpick drivers. We said, here are the 15, 20 drivers. And we trained them on the technology. We trained them on the etiquette, how to behave with people. We checked their backgrounds. And we told them that there are certain things it is they have to follow. They have to wear a uniform. And uh, they have to do certain things. They have to be on time. They cannot uh, chew pawn uh, or smoke a cigarette or whatever. They got to be clean. Yeah. All that stuff we said, you know, you got to do. And, and we said, you know, and that's, when, that's how we started on the supply side. On the demand side, obviously we, you know, uh, nobody knows about the name DriveView. We, we had just started this company. So we had to create the marketplace. We went, obviously, did a lot of a marketing program talking about um, what drive you can do. We did, obviously, the digital marketing through Google and Facebook, and and uh, we did radio ads, and uh, we had billboards, okay. and all that stuff, so that it builds a brand. And then they say, look, you, and then, obviously, you know, when the two together come together, step by step, you you slowly bring the mar- build the marketplace and the trust in the marketplace. So, so uh, you know, expanding there for the demand side, do you think it was the brand that, you know, eventually said, I trust a driver that I don't know to come into my vehicle? Because, you know, especially when this was a new new thing to the market, I can imagine being a rider and saying, you know, I, I'm a bit hesitant. Like, I don't know this company drive you that well. They're relatively new. But... I'm trusting their certification to allow someone into my vehicle. You know, it's a private space that, you know, Ola, Uber, and Airbnbs of the world, they've kind of helped build that trust with anonymous people. But was it the brand or was it like other practices that you did? Was it the was it word of mouth? Um, you know, how how did you really overcome there? Yeah, um, you know, uh, first of all, we had the pedigree of being uh, we had done this before a taxi for sure, the team, right? Uh-huh. And yeah. that's what, one thing was there. We, you know, and, and the second thing is uh, there is a lot of word of mouth. You know, we have, I mean, each of us have a lot of connection in the marketplace. 
the you know so, so we pushed hard i mean i have a very strong alumni network and uh, and people had known about me and uh, and you know what i can do uh, i mean there is a lot of link between silicon valley and bangalore for example especially valley and bangalore because people it's a very it's people come in go you know back and forth and we did some awesome marketing to get where we want to be uh, i mean very uh, our marketing was done such a way that uh, people you know started saying uh, you know this is something we can trust and so on and this is by the this is a journey you know this is not a destination you get one time and you're done every day every morning every day every minute we are uh, you know questioned how good you are you know and then every every day we, you know when we have issues we resolve how quickly we resolve the issue to to make it amicable and you build trust on based on that for example if sometimes say people say we don't like the driver immediately we said okay we will refund your money uh, sorry yeah. for the service you know do the right way right uh, i mean this this is this is how starbucks if you go talk to starbucks that's what they say is that the biggest thing you can do at starbucks everybody every employee at starbucks is make cust- uh, make your customers super happy uh-huh. if you if you go back and say starbucks hey this coffee is weak they won't even question you they'll throw it away and get you a fresh coffee right yeah uh, so even though it may have been you know you know good or whatever people they'll just say it's okay because you want to make make this make uh, happy right you know make it so happy encounter so that next time you come back now you slowly build on this one after the other it it uh-huh. doesn't it doesn't happen overnight it just takes time and you you know so what you had to do is there is a set of values we we have in the company that percolates all the way through the, our our company uh these are the values we tell them we put on uh you know on the walls this is our company value integrity is the highest value being honest with customers you know customer centric focus on the customer make them happy and uh, you know both uh, our customers are both drivers and uh, car owners uh-huh. so we have these and then what you know we have several these kind of values systems in the company that we push hard every day every day and uh, i'm so proud to say that after we are actually we're closing in on 2 million trips now and wow. uh, yeah we are growing fast i mean we did 1 million in uh, by may end of may and now we are already uh, closing in on 2 million uh, we are growing really fast and uh, and you know in the 2 million uh, you know uh, you know 1 odd million uh, trips right now i mean we haven't had any uh, knock on wood we haven't had any issue i mean uh-huh. did we, we had did we have small issues customers were unhappy absolutely you can go to play story you'll see reviews some people don't like it blah 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 the price is too high this driver was not there so then what we do is we follow up we follow up either the driver is wrong and we'll uh, we'll either you know ask him to correct himself or we will say you know we'll suspend him or we'll fine him so this is a this is the process you know it's not a overnight done done deal you know what i'm saying yeah definitely yeah. And, and that's how I, you build the trust Yeah, definitely. And I I wanted to expand on your point about culture. You know, you and I talked about before this interview about, you know, building culture and taking some of the best practices mm-hmm. from Silicon Valley to India. You know, India, you know, in the past historically before this, you know, startup explosion has been very uh, 
you know, these are your hours, you finish these hours, you stay in, you know, and yeah. it, it kind of not a free thinking environment. Yes. Now, w- what are you doing to build this culture throughout your company? Like what, and what is the culture that you are trying to build? So I, we are definitely building the culture of, uh, I'm building a culture from Silicon Valley, for example. I mean, it's a very open office. Uh, people can come in and go anytime, whenever, whenever they want. There's no issue. Uh, but as long as they get their job done, that's number one. Yeah. Uh, number two, uh, you know, everybody's equal. I don't, I want people to call me by my first name, Ram. I don't want it to be sir. I don't want a surname to it. Just call me Ram, right? I'm just, a, uh-huh. I, I don't want this. In India, there is this uh, hierarchical system where you tell your boss, sir, all the time. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't like that. Uh, thirdly, you know, there are, there are certain values, which to me are, extremely important that that has to percolate through our system. We go through it in our uh, all hands meeting. We go through it on our uh, monthly executive staff meeting. You know, I have five main value systems that I always push in any of the company that I'm involved in. And I'm the CEO of that. Okay. Uh-huh. One I said, I mentioned the integrity is very important. Second thing is customer centric uh, is very important. Third, uh-huh. I third a third is one of my favorite called kaizen. It's a Japanese word for continuous improvement. Uh, what I want is, you know, we are not perfect. You'll never be perfect, but you continuously improve, and uh, that's called kaizen. I, okay. I, I tell people keep on improving the product, keep on improving the process, keep on improving our uh, customer service, and so on, and 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 never stop improving. All right, we can always get better. Okay. That's uh-huh. the reason, uh, you know, there is a, you know, there is a thing called net promoter score, which tells you what, how good the customers regard you as a company. We have one of the highest net promoter score in the industry. Uh, wow. you know, yeah, we have a, it's, I mean, it's, 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 uh, that's, a, that's what I'm pretty proud about. Uh, the fourth one I call it as um, accountability. Everybody's accountable. Uh-huh means you know i am accountable to people who report to me and the people who report to me are accountable to me on different things so it goes down the you know you know hierarchy people i mean if people are accountable means that they take it very seriously and the last one i i always focus on is teamwork uh, you know we have to work together as a team and we cannot have you know we may have differences in ideas but at the end of the day, we are all working for one company, one direction. So we have to focus on that. So those are the kind of the five uh, value system that I push a lot in the company. And uh, I'm proud to say, our, you know, and then, you know, the people will look at this and say, I'm also a big believer in uh, saying, you know, you don't, you can't go institutionalize these values unless you live by it. Okay. I, have, I have to live by it every day. And then people will see me and then it'll be the people around me who will start also have to live by it. So that's what we do in our company. Now, as far as uh, other aspects of drive, uh, Silicon Valley culture we bring uh-huh. in, I mean, which are kind of the fun aspect of it is we have monthly beer bash at the end of every month. Oh, really? Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, the last Friday of the month, we have a beer bash in the company and we have music and food and beer every year, every month. We do that. Sometimes wow. we talk. We talk about the company. Other times we don't. Just just enjoy. You know, relax and enjoy. Get to know each other. Another yeah. one is another one is from day one. Our company, 
everybody is fed breakfast lunch dinner as long as they are working there the food is served to them and and that also builds a camaraderie and friendship amongst uh, workers right working yep. people are working together i mean it cost money for a startup but i said no we got to do this you know and so we have built some of these things in the company and the last one which i love a lot is that we are a pet friendly company we have pets running around in the office i have my own two puppies that uh, that are indies that i take to office Uh, you know a couple two or three times a week and other people bring their own dogs you know and and uh, so on there are dogs running around in the office <laughs> it's a fun place to work that's the valley like the valley we used to have that so so i bring that into the company wow dogs beer and food that sounds like a very very fun company to work for yeah i you know believe it or not i have people who left the company and you know within a month or uh, three months they come back this said yeah oh you know because they've like we miss drive you not being there and i said <laughs> and then we always say when people decide to leave i, I always say goodbye i hope you know hope you'll find what you want and uh, if you don't come back you know we yeah. always send people off and that's again part of silicon valley there is no oh you left us and blah 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 nothing like that come on over you know that kind of thing so yeah and that's a huge competitive advantage especially in india because you will attract top talent by making you know an environment where people actually want to be and want to succeed you know as a part of yes uh, and you know you know look uh, at the, uh, if you look at it you spend the majority of your day with your coworkers yeah. and uh, you know so then why not make that a happy place so you know you you become more productive and you're happier and you know our attrition rate is very 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 low we we have very low i you know it's probably less than 3 4% or something which is very low in india uh yeah, yeah attrition rates are pretty high in india people tend to yeah. 10 to 15% of uh, people leave uh, on an average in india sometimes more mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. we have a very low attrition rate you know look at the you know what i say is that you know this is the journey and we have to have fun you know the the fun is not at the end when we become quote unquote successful uh, you know either we have a great exit or whatever the fun has to be along the way and exit is one aspect of the success yeah yeah i completely agree and ram i want to be respectful for your time so i just want to you know move into the concluding questions and i want to know you know what does the future hold for ram and what does the future hold for drive you and what you know further ambitions do you have that you want to help impact in india so um i have lots of ideas for india uh, i mean let me say first about drive you i i want drive you we you know uh, the, we will be we want to be the premier destination for anything about a car that will be the future uh-huh. future for drive you not just to driver service it could be car maintenance car roadside assistance insurance uh car detailing car wash all of that will be encompassing drive you at some point and we are working towards that that's a, that's okay. a, you know and obviously as a, you know you know from an investor perspective i want it to be a profitable company uh you know generating good uh, money as well as potentially if all goes well we can do uh, a public offering someday and that kind of thing for drive you that's what drive you personally what i look at is obviously I, my satisfaction is not just making drive you successful but also 
people within DriveU, which is our driver partners, our customers, and our employees, to be happy. That's one thing clearly, uh, because if they are happy, then we are ha- then we are successful. I mean, I have other things I want to do in India. I mean, uh, like I mentioned, I am a big uh, animal lover, and uh-huh. and I want to. India has a big problem with the stray dogs all over the place. I yeah. want. I you know. By the way, we at DriveU, we we actually donate money for animal causes all the time. Uh, you know, if there's a flood, this that, we always you know send money to these people, you know, and the poor animals. I just have a, a very uh, compassionate heart, you know, heart for these animals. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, so I, I want to do something for Indian stray dog issues. Uh, I want to support and figure out a way to help. There are lots of amazing people in India who want to do that. So I want to join hands with them. Okay. That's one other thing I want to do. You know, India has a lot of challenges. Transportation is only one aspect of it. Cleanliness is another one, right? I mean, we right. have pretty bad uh, lakes. Lakes are getting dirty, plastic problem, uh, garbage problem. You name it, India has challenges, right? Yeah. And, and more and more people are moving to the urban areas in the next 10 years. And yeah. it means more and more such challenges magnify. And that will create its own opportunities in the future, I feel. Uh, so I, I feel that um, uh, I'll probably be doing that over the next, uh, I don't know, uh, few years. And uh, that's what my personal motivation is. And uh, I think I kind of, so that gives you an idea of what, where I want to be uh, personally for DriveU as well as beyond DriveU. Yeah, definitely. And I, I want to end on, you know, one question that I will ask everybody who comes on the show mm-hmm. is that... If you, at the end of your career, you've done everything you've wanted to do, you've achieved everything you wanted to achieve, and you're sitting back and you're reflecting on your career and you're writing your autobiography, mm-hmm. um, what would you want that title of the autobiography to read? I wanted to read something like my entrepreneurial journey in thought, in action, in love and compassion. Wow. That's a great title. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so I, 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 yeah. I, I definitely look forward to reading that. So as soon as it's published, <laughs> please let me know. We'll do at some point. <laughs> thank you, Ram, so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you. Uh, I thank you so much for your time for making this all happen. I know, Arman, I know it's a, it's a pleasure to talk to you, get to know you. And hope to meet you too. Yes, definitely, definitely very soon. Thank you again, Ram. Take care. You too.